Please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Go listen to the outro if you want to connect and enjoy. Hello, friends. Welcome to Sex Stories. I'm Y.O. Lee, and this is a podcast where I ask people about the most intimate parts of their intimate lives. My guest today, I will let her introduce herself. Hi, everybody. I'm Diana Valentine. And Diana, will you please give us a little snapshot of yourself so that people can know who they're hearing from? Well, I was born in San Jose, California. I grew up in Ohio. I have um, artist parents, and I am now an esoteric artist. Wonderful. I would like to hear a little bit about your relationship with sex. My relationship with sex. I like that you objectify sex in that way. To, yeah, yeah. To to bring it to bring it in into relationship with a con- with a concept. Really, I, that's how I think about it. Mm-hmm. So I feel very sexy. I feel very sexual and sensual. And I think I connect sex to a kind of intimate satisfaction, mm. which can be related to in so many different ways. So I don't think of sexuality as where are you putting your parts with someone else's parts, mm. but I think of it as an embodiment of joy and satisfaction and power. Mm. And I think that gets expressed in a lot of different ways in addition to what our socialized narrow norm of sex is. I love that. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me in my own way, but for people who might be listening where that's a brand new idea, I would love to hear a couple of specific examples or a time where you feel that you've embodied that. Well, it's brand new. It just came out of my mouth. So let's see if I can <laughs> work and see if I can okay. riff on it a little, a little bit. Perfect. What I mean by that is that as a younger person or even early teen or child, even when I heard when I thought about sex, it was like sex. You're having sex with another person. There's sex, you know, there's either baby making or there's exchange of fluids or there's something that happens between men and women, women and women, men and men, whatever that was, was very adult and very mm-hmm. private and very closed off. There was a closed off aspect of it or a secret aspect of it or a, a power structure around it that had to do with like grownups and silencing and not talking about it. Right. Mm. So that's what I thought of sexuality to be. I can remember being fairly young. I don't know what fairly young is. Eight, 10. I don't know when the first time I was, you know, pleasuring myself or thinking about owning my body, Mm -hmm. having my body be mine Mm -hmm. and what I did with it and how I pleased myself, whether it was with athletics you know, I felt very like physically and energetically like satisfied and expressed in sports or in some forms of art or even playing with friends. You know, I felt very in my body and pleased by that, aroused by yes. that. And not necessarily the, you know, again, it's this social construct of arousal is so challenging to talk about because people think, oh, it's about 
engorgement of the clitoris or the (laughs) penis or the whatever it is that you have that gets enjoyed, engorged, you know, becomes this sort of let's classify it Mm -hmm. thing. And it really wasn't like that for me. For me, I really thought about sexual expression and embodied power and embodied arousal as something that always stretched quite far beyond what I thought people were talking about. As a child even? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't think I I thought about it intellectually like that, Mm -hmm. but I definitely felt a sense of power. And then when I started to have like flirtations or fooling around with friends or whatever those things were that would be more in the classification of sex or, or socialized sex, mm-hmm. it was just play. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel hung up about it. Like, yeah. Oh my God. We That's can't. great. But I remember my partners or my playmates being like, Oh my God, don't ever, we can't ever tell anyone. Really? And I think that keeps going. I I mean, I have peers now. I'm I'm going to be 50 in a couple months, and I still have friends who do sotto voce when they're talking about sex or pleasure. Oh well, I got a new vibrator, and I'm like, you're a grown ass woman. You can say that out loud. Yeah, I got a new toy. I mean, what color? What shape? What's the vibe like? Where'd you get it? Yeah, does it? Is it rechargeable? Because we have to be responsible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Totally, totally. No more burning up AAA batteries or whatever. I mean, I'm a fan of the plug-in Magic Wand myself. Right. Personally. Right. It's a good one. Hitachi. Yeah. But I, I think that it's a continuum. And for me, it's a creative source. And I think something really stuck out to me that an elder said, last weekend about and and they were talking about the planet Mm -hmm. and the moment that we started to look at the planet as a resource instead of source we disconnected and that's when we started really raping the planet right Mm. and really like taking and consuming and counting and and quantifying and using resources as energetic commerce Right. And I would apply that to sexuality in the sense that I feel we really in in sort of the common culture, American culture, we really look at it as a resource. How many times did you come? Right. How many how many partners have you had? How many? And it's either used as ammunition or it's used as, a you know, hoarding of power and. I think that is another kind of disconnection from natural source and from that empowered place. Empowered arousal to me is a much more interesting conversation. Oh, I love that empowered arousal. So is that helpful? I I mean, I think so. I like it. I like knowing about it. I like, I know I myself have never conceived of sex in this specific way. So these new ideas are really interesting for me to hear. And I would love to hear more about how it sounds like you had a very healthy relationship to sex based on your description. Does that feel resonant? I think my relationship with sex is more healthy now. Okay. Definitely. What's that journey? Because I grew up in America. You know, I mean, I grew up with the cloistered and hide it. Don't, you know, there wasn't, wasn't like at my house. It was like, Okay, 
sexy time, everybody, or, you know, how, how was your pleasure this week? There were never conversations okay. like that. So what were your parents or what, what kind of upbringing or conversations around sex do you remember, if any, growing up? If you know, artists? I mean, I have this idea that like having artist parents that they would be like having right. orgies and all of that, but well. I had military parents, so <laughs> it was different. I very rarely remember conversations that weren't about boundaries or rules mm-hmm. really i mean i remember the talk with my mom and about you know um consent mm-hmm. was part of that conversation which i, th- I think now looking back was really great. great and important yeah and you know maybe protection and condoms or something like that it was very i think it was pretty straightforward mm-hmm. The first time I really remember having a conversation that wasn't so much about sex, but it was about what I what I was sort of allowed to do with my body and what the consequences could be, I think was the first time I had sex. I had sex with a neighbor. Mm. And well, it wasn't the first time I had sex. It was the first time I had sex with a boy where there was semen involved. Totally. And, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it just, it's even the way we talk about it. It's right. Like, the let definitions. me clarify. Like, right. like we think penetration is the only sex. Right. So, but even penetration, but with a penis where there's right. semen. Oh, I mean, right. it's like yeah. so, it's so rigid, totally. you know? So anyway, the first time that happened was with a neighbor and I found it very pleasurable and really fun, but I knew that it was problematic. I knew it was problematic because, and I knew I wanted to tell my mom because I really told her a lot of things and, Mm. you know, she was a single mom. So we shared a lot, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? There wasn't a triangulation in the same way. I think a lot of people grow up or with siblings, older siblings or anything like that. So I knew I wanted to tell her and I also felt shame, like a kind of shame or a kind of Ooh, I, that was so great, but I think it's, I'm not supposed to think it's great. Really? Wait, how or old were you again? Sorry. I think I was 14. Okay. okay. And so I think that after the very natural and delightful experience, then I was like in my head about it, like, okay, I know I'm supposed to tell my mom, but I don't really want to tell her, but I should probably tell her. And like, it was good, but I don't want to. I don't, was it good? And was, am I, was it supposed to wait or was that, when was it supposed to happen? And, mm-hmm. but it was delightful, but you know, it was mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. whole mixed thing. And so I told her, and then we had to have like a family conversation with Kevin who, and his mother and my, our mothers were friends and we had to have like a family meeting about it. Oh and it was God. mortifying. Oh my, please tell me what that was like. Like what? I just, I really don't remember the details. I just remember I wasn't humiliated. That wasn't the right word. You know, I'd had a lot of family meetings. My mom was, we, we grew up in kind of a socialist way where it was like, let's talk about the status of women when I wanted a Barbie head. You know what I mean? For Christmas <laughs> or something. So, so it wasn't that, that, that the context was unfamiliar mm-hmm. to me it was just like oh another meeting okay with the boy with the boy just to. had sex with and his mother and we all knew each other like we all spent time together so it was just it was devastating and i think he was just like what the fuck like why would you tell her you know right and i was like i that's what i do yeah Wes, yeah. we talk about things and i just but I'd be really curious to ask my mom about what she remembers about it. 
I was I think so that would be very well. interesting. I could oh, we, I could amazing. I could write you an email and we could add it to the show that notes. That would be glorious. Yes. Yeah. Please, yes. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. But I remember really enjoying it. And I had, you know, I had masturbated and I had fooled around with other people before that and mm-hmm. stuff. So I just really like being sexual and being in my body and being feeling strong and mm-hmm. in in lots of ways. And I really always really like cooking and I like making art and all of that to me is along a continuum again of this kind of pleasure and satisfaction and empowered arousal. I really like empowered arousal. I like that too. Yeah. Let's call it. Should we call the show that? We should. That'd be a good title. Empowered arousal. I mean, it definitely needs to be something. Empowered arousal. I'll write it down. Yeah, I'm down with it. So if you're willing to share, I would love to hear specific in your body feelings, like whether it's like specific things that you like stuff that gets you turned on or or some version of that like you're mentioning a much wider sphere which i love my friend alex calls it hard-ons and hate-ons yes i love that yeah i think that's a great phrase so i really love acts of service so to me it is not always it depends on who's doing it right yes but if someone comes to my house and brings me food and does the dishes, yes. I'm pretty much panties down <laughs> on that one. So that's just like straight up, like that's the way into my pants. Great. For sure. I have but, a question yeah. adding on to that. Can you, like, do you enjoy having sex right after you eat? Because like when I'm really full, I'm like, oh, give me a minute. Like I'll overeat and then I'll be like, I'm horny, but I'm so full. <laughs> Well, you just have to sort of adjust your expectations, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sure. I don't have, yeah, I don't have a block around that. Okay. But it's been a while. So okay. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe a little waiting period after a big burrito or something. I don't know. <laughs> Some digestion. <laughs> or maybe just like a little less athletic. Yeah. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. You know? Uh-huh. So, okay. Service. Acts of service. Very exciting to me. Also... The partners who I've been with, where having sex with other people, turn-ons while I'm having sex with other people, have a lot to do with whether I like the person. I love that you said that. And I you hit on it earlier with the contextual nature of arousal. Yeah. So with other people who I like a lot, pretty much anything they do is sexy to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it can be a sexy conversation. It can be a way of listening and active listening and responding and going even deeper or or an intellectual sexuality where somebody really blows your mind about a topic you thought you knew about. Like Mm -hmm. anytime somebody gives me a new perspective, Mm -hmm. I find that very sexy, whether it's corporally sexy or intellectually sexy. I have a lot of intellectual sexuality action that happens that that doesn't have anything to do with wanting to fuck somebody, but it just has to do with that optimal arousal or that Mm -hmm. excitement or that rise at the source, you know, tapping into that source energy that I think often gets confused for sexuality. Yeah. But it's really just like, I am turned on right now in a bigger way, in a spiritual way or whatever. So I think with people I like, acts of service and uh, stimulating conversations. I'm also really interested in the edges of power and pain. So there are times when for me, it's really delightful to yield to someone Mm -hmm. and just allow for someone to, to drive for a while. 
absolutely just fun and it can be interesting and you know where you thought they would parry they thrust yeah <laughs> you know, whatever totally. that is it's like oh hello surprise surprise and it's very sexy to me a kind of conversation so we're both there for as many parts as we can be there for Mm -hmm. and so it might not look like traditional consent conversation but it's on the same line so it's sexy consent where it's not like a full stop is this okay can Ah. i keep going but it's like checking in Mm -hmm. while you you know no sudden moves Mm-hmm. that's very sexy to me like no abrupt like abruptness and sex is kind of a it's disorienting to me yeah sex with people i don't like very much i just i have an objective in mind <laughs> and i might it might be utilitarian sex mm-hmm. like chore sex you know mm-hmm. where you're just like let's just get this make this happen and what are the contexts that cause you to choose that? Convenience or sometimes you're in a situation that you didn't expect to be in with someone and then the opportunity arises and it's like, hmm, grownups. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. It's not really attached to anything. I don't really have a, another set of objectives or expectations. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rare for me at this point in my life, but it has certainly happened at other times in my life where I was just like, just let's get let's get these rocks off, you know. <laughs> but I find if I'm in, you know, generally speaking, if I really am, if that's really what's happening, it's much more efficient to do that by myself. Yeah, I mean, efficient, sure. Yeah, but sometimes it's just nice to have a you know a companion along to touch a human. Yeah, touch a human. Yeah, God, that would be nice. Yeah. Let's touch a human. I mean, I think, Today, I think touching humans I think is it should great. be a jingle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you touched a human today? Maybe yeah. I'll make that the intro and outro. <laughs> I'd love to hear more about the beginnings of sexual relationships for you and how that transition works. Because I think in my own experience as a younger person, like now I'm 29, so I like totally know what I'm doing. But like, just in case I'm like, super wise. but I know that a big part of me figuring out my early sexual experience was like, how do I navigate this? How do I begin it? How do what happens once we're in? What happens afterwards? Do I see them again? Like what's been your experience around? You know, I'm just curious. I don't know. It's so different with everybody, except I do. I, I will say that I think. I'm about to have a sort of renaissance of casual sex. (gasps) Go on. Tell me more. What makes you think that? (laughs) Because for such a significant, you should see Wyo's face right now. (laughs) He's like at a feast, ready to gobble it up. So I think I had a period of time in earlier years where I I was sort of flirtatious. Like there was a delight around, like there was a lightness Mm -hmm. of being around sex for me. Mm And then there was a long period, maybe 15 years or so, where it was like, if my panties were down, we're married. Mm. Just like I knew myself well enough to know that if I'm going there, we're going all the way. Like I'm going to be, we're going to be doing each other's laundry. Like it's just, it's going to be very intimate. Mm -hmm. And I think that it changed in life circumstances. So being in college and having jobs where you had a lot of people in your life and going out and being in a lot of social situations where there are just a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
it was very, I felt very different about my sexual relationships than I do now where I work by myself. Mm -hmm. I teach at a school. So Mm -hmm. now I'm a a professor. And so there's this whole thing about even doing this interview. I thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, right. Professors are very responsible. But also there's like, what's the word for, um, uh, the tenets of behavior. Yeah. Oh, you're a, right? you're a so, pillar in your community and you're an example. Hypothetically. I mean, hypothetically. Yeah, yeah. But also I think it's this whole rigidity of systems and mm-hmm. that we're, we're vulnerable right now in life and society. It's like one black mark and you're just excommunicated. Yeah. Heaven you know? forbid you should be a person, like a human who might make yeah. a mistake. Or, and this is not illegal. Right. Right. But there's a criminalization of sensuality and of power and of pleasure for women and for brown people and for poor people. Mm -hmm. And and I think sexuality is a huge element of repression. I think popularized sex and who's allowed to do what and who's allowed to talk about what. And yes, I'm a college professor and I have sex. And I'm interested in sex and I'm interested in power. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about it now to lots of people. What? So it's, you know, very, <laughs> it's, it's dicey, right? So I think that also some of that played in to my, to my choices and the way I would navigate relationships. And, you know, I, I'm 30, so am I going to be a parent? Am I not going to be a parent? What That's kind of I partners am, right am I interested in? What right. kind of, so that was a different conversation than now you know, I'm still experiencing menopause, but you know, I'm, I'm very sure I'm not ovulating. And so it's a totally different thing. And it's almost, I feel a little bit, I feel delighted and also kind of overwhelmed by that because it's, that's really, that doesn't come and go fertility. Right. Right. So now if fertility isn't, part of it or protecting my fertility or using my fertility for good and not irresponsible uh-huh. behavior, then wow, like what will sex be like mm. post ovulation? Like if I'm really not even don't need to think about pregnancy or someone else's life or I don't even know what that will be like because I haven't had sex with, you know, a donor <laughs> whatever right. since I stopped ovulating mm. so who I don't even know will it will I re will it rewire my brain or is that stuff just in there like do not have a baby if you don't want to have a baby you know yeah absolutely so I think all that really affects relationships too and and now I really looking at and being excited about new relationships now because I'm single and I'm really you know not to minimize it, but I'm ready to mingle. Totally. Uh, you know, I think it's very different now because I'm not really looking for necessarily a life partner or someone who could possibly I could have kids with mm-hmm. men, women, doesn't matter. You know, it's just a very different thing. So I'm so curious about what comes next. Are you just like open to people you encounter? Yeah. Are you going to actively search for people? Well, so I do little exercises, kind of like other things in my life. So when I want to bring in more art, Mm -hmm. I do experiments and have art dates and, and, and watch things that stimulate my creativity. Right. Same thing with this empowered arousal. Mm -hmm. So could I eat this meal 
in a slower way? Could I be present with the food? Can I eat with my hands? Can I, as I'm driving, can I really connect with the car? And can I imagine that when we're passing people or at stop signs that we're, we're exchanging energy all the time. So if we're exchanging energy all the time and it's part of a continuum of empowered arousal, then all of these things contribute to our availability. So I think about availability quite a lot because I really wasn't available for a significant block of time very recently. And now that I'm coming on to my availability, I'm thinking about it as a creative source. Mm -hmm. So how can I be more available? How can I be more available for my spiritual practice? How can I be more available to seeing what's happening in my classroom? How do I be more available And I'm not saying that I'm in my mind having a sexual experience everywhere I'm going Mm -hmm. because people are dumb and they misinterpret things. That's just so you know that that's not what I was thinking. No, I know. But I'm just saying I can just, I just got a little like, (laughs) mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when I think about sexual relationships or partnerships, I'm very domestic and I'm quite loyal. Mm-hmm. But I've never had an experience with polygamy. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to multiple partners or anything like that. And I think this next, let's say, decade or whatever, this next era of mm-hmm. my embodied arousal is going to look very different than it has any other time. So when you say, how do you deal with early relationships? I'm having early relationships all over the place. Mm-hmm with people who I want to pray with and people who I want to explore art with. So right after our interview, I have an art date with a new friend. Mm. There's nowhere in our introductions or anything that has anything to do with being sexual, but even new friends, how excited can we be? So excited. (laughs) I can be so excited. And now that I don't have a lot of limits on myself, I'm super excited and I've texted her a bunch of times saying, can't wait. So exciting. Art, 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 you yeah. know, and like emojis and bitmojis, and, yeah. you know, and now I can be what much more florid with my pleasure. Oh my God. You are so full of good words and like, but also the meanings behind the words. Like, yeah, well, we hope that's yay. the right meaning. Cause the last time that's we true. collaborated <laughs> together, I used a word I Whatever. thought was so right, but, but yeah, just like let it really flow and be excited. And if, I think now I used to try to edit because I I have a loud laugh and I have a loud voice and people are always telling me to be quiet, like from the time I was little, right? And now that I have the power of age, I do not give a fuck and I don't mince words and I don't hold back and wonder if somebody's doing something or wait to call. I'm just calling. Good. And if they're not responsive, to me and it's not a mutual I mean I think mutuality is a bit of a myth but if there isn't a flow to the mutuality or at least you know in the ebbs and flows a kind of combined elevation then I'm discontinuing my delightful showering of love because it's not appropriate I want to hear more about what the myth of mutuality oh So I, for years, I had this fantasy about mutuality and friendships and relationships and collegial relationships, like just expecting people to give credit where credit's due, for example, in a work situation Mm -hmm. or in a friend situation, like, 
okay, I've called them three times. And so now Mm. I should wait for them to call me because otherwise I'm going to look needy or whatever all that stuff is. So I thought there was this some beautiful sweet spot of mutuality, whether you're collaborating with someone or dating someone or making new friends or something, or even in family, really it starts in family relationships, right? Like why am I always the one to say happy birthday or whatever? And I never get Mm. that back. It's because we made that up and that's economic. That came from some checks and balances bullshit that says, if I sometime in my life give you $5, you have to give me $5 of value Mm. in love and currency with interest later. And I think that the way that relationships are discussed in media and television, it's, it's, it's economics. Yes. And it's horrifying. And I think it is destroying young people and older people. I I know people in my life who are elders who are in their 70s, 80s. And I say, how's your sex life? And they laugh for a second and say, oh, I'm I'm done with that. And it makes me cry inside. All the way done. They're just done. 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 I'm done with that. And I thought, You're done with that. And it's so many of them that I think it's actually a thing that happens that we just don't. I mean, usually we're not asking our grandmas about their sex life. I intend to ask my 92-year-old grandma. Why aren't we? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that that energetic commerce, that's economic oppression. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. But again, it's based on commerce. Why are we basing our access to source energy on an economic model. It doesn't make any sense. Right. I don't think it makes sense. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that I'd be really interested in looking at other cultures and, you know, there are many, many billions of people around the world sleep in family beds and everybody's Mm -hmm. still having sex because they're still having babies. You know, so like this stuff is happening in other places places and here everything is very segregated and your bedrooms are far apart and you can't hear what's going Mm -hmm. on and Mm -hmm. and a lot of things like i think one of the reasons rape culture is so successful is that there's isolation there's there's Mm -hmm. you you separate people and you you know violate them yeah and and you know and even in my neighborhood which is a very affluent neighborhood we we think of it as safe, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't I don't take walks when I want to take walks at two in the morning mm-hmm. because that would that will then if anything happens, that's my fault. Yes. Oh, yes. Right. And that's that's another. And people say, what did you expect? Right. You deserved it. Right. And what were you wearing? What have you contributed to that? So, again, it's measuring responsibility. There's all this bias in terms of power. Right. Mm-hmm. And who had the power in the situation. So I think about that a lot. I think about the commerce a- aspect to it and, and how that influences um, even in, you know, in our conversation about being on the show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what our entree was in the conversation, but I had mentioned to you that I haven't had sex with another person for a long time. So it's been nine years. Mm-hmm. Even that, even that we're measuring that. And that that's a thing and that that's a, oh, what? You know, it has a sensational element to it. Why? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting to me, but I'm a navel gazer. So, I'm, of course, I'm interested well, in myself. I also was going to ask you, when you mentioned earlier you were not previously available for coupling and now you feel available, 
as a person who I myself am a couple years into like listening to my own needs and figuring out how to communicate them Mm -hmm. and what they are, I would love to hear about what what that check-in process with yourself has been like, because I think that could be valuable for people. What the check-in process has been like. Like, how did you know when you were available or not available? Oh, it's the thing. It's the thing where it's not on or off. It's sort of a blend of things. I'm Mm. sort of available, but to someone who will wash my dishes and (laughs) bring me dinner, right? (laughs) I mean, I have different standards, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also, I haven't even been available in the sense of being super social. Mm-hmm. So for a, a, and a, and a, and a, so I had a, a, my last serious relationship, I ended that relationship and it was very difficult to end that relationship, but it was really based on, you know, honesty and availability. And I realized that my partner was saying, I'm available, I'm available, I'm available. And they really mm-hmm. weren't available mm-hmm. to build life together. Mm-hmm. And I had very low I had lowered 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 my standards right and I'd reached a point where I was like I cannot go past this point uh-huh. I won't go past that point and I, within the next six months I'm gonna cure these things these breach these empathetic breaches basically empathetic failures and then didn't and I thought oh, I have to I have to end this and it was torture Right. It was very difficult and it was really, really hard about a year of just really doing my best, but trying not to do mine and their best (laughs) for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I made the decision and I really made a, a boundary for myself. And then I kept that boundary, which was quite deeply empowering for me. Yeah. Really, I felt almost as if I was hovering over the earth after I made that break. And then I knew one thing I knew was that I needed to have sex with someone else soon Mm -hmm. because there, again, there's that socialized thing that says, if you are not having sex with anybody else, then you're essentially monogamous to that person, whether you're with them or not. I'm doing that right now. Yeah. So I had that thing in my mind. So I asked a friend of mine, would you please have sex with me so that I can like um, reset the counter. How did that go over? It was really interesting. Um, my friend happened to be a man and he was really surprised and he said, oh, sure, I'll, I'll, why, why not? I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I could do that. <laughs> and you know, what was interesting. I liked him fine, but wasn't, you know, wasn't mm-hmm. interested in mm-hmm. partnering with him. Worst sex really? ever. And I mean, ever. I mean, I've had a significant amount of sex. I wouldn't say I'm like super accomplished. And yeah. again, I'm not like racking up numbers, but I was shocked at how bad it was. What What made it bad for you? It was just to be with someone who was my age, a contemporary who t- could not find a clit if he had a paved, <laughs> lit, leg lighted map. I mean, it was just shocking and a really bad kisser. Mm. Just like not supple. And maybe it was performance things. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not judging him as a person. Yeah. I was just so surprised that it could be so incompatible because I really have had enough sex that I really, really enjoyed. Uh-huh. I mean, I really haven't uh-huh. had a lot of sex that I didn't enjoy, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the first thing to have that be the palate cleanser. I was like, oh, man. But then I started to grieve. 
So then mm-hmm. I had a real grieving period and, a, and it was deep and forceful and a kind of grief I really hadn't experienced because I really hadn't broken up with anybody who I wanted to be with. Yeah, that's hard. Oh, it was monumental. And so I went through the grieving period and then after the grieving period, I thought, wow, I really like being eating the last cookie and being <laughs> and, and making decisions how I want to make decisions. Mm-hmm. I was traveling quite a bit for work. Mm-hmm. So I would be one year I was in 12 cities, three countries. Amazing. The next year it was something similar to that, maybe 10 or something like that. So I was going, going, going and really not at home in my body, not at home in my actual home, not in my home city, which is Los Angeles. And so there was a quite a bit of a rolling stone, very isolated, very interior place that I was then for a period after the grief. And then when I sort of came out and thought, oh, well, I, I guess I'm sort of want to have sex with someone mm-hmm. again. I mean, that was really the first thought. It wasn't even I'm available for a relationship. I just thought mm, sex would be good. Mm. Like, you know. I don't know. Veggie lasagna would be good. Like it was a really a passing thought. It was, it had been five years. Wow. And I hadn't counted during that time or really even thought about it. Mm-hmm. I just truly wasn't available. Mm-hmm. So the availability kind of comes and goes. And now my availability is to this new era. Mm-hmm. What would I like my empowered arousal to look like? And that comes with lots of activities, not just sex with someone. It comes with lots Mm -hmm. of relationships, not just a primary romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. It comes with lots of colors and places and ways to experiment that have some to do with um, my sexual expression and some not. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very different flavor of availability than I've ever conceived of. That is incredibly exciting. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pretty excited. Well, there's going to be two more questions. The first one is if you could go back and give little you some sexual advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? Or if not your younger self, like what would you like to say to the world in in a clear advice sort of way? And then you can ask me a question if you want to. A sex question. (laughs) Okay, my age would be trying to think of when I did when this idea came through. I had an idea for a website called Better Sex Better World. Mm. I still own the URL. And I think I was I had to be in my 30s, so I might have been 32 or 33. And I would say do it. Collect all those stories. Mm finished put the website up see what it's about just share the share the ideas Mm. share the ideas and I think the same advice would go for my 17 or 18 year old self I taught sex education workshops at school to my peers yeah 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 yeah. I heard a lot of my peers talking about these really negative sexual experiences Mm -hmm. and that they were only having sex with other people and not with themselves and that Mm. You know, there was a lot of male, white male culture stuff happening. And I was really offended by it. Mm 
So I went to my local, my, um, my health educator at school mm. and said, I want to teach these workshops. And so I taught these workshops. And so I would say to her, keep doing that. Yeah. Allow yourself to keep doing that. Because I think at a certain point I thought, oh, well, that was college and I was frisky and yeah, I could get away with it in college. Right. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't really get away with peer education and my uh, corporate jobs or, you know, mm-hmm. other things mm-hmm. that I did. Mm-hmm. But I think it was really needed. I think it was really needed. So keep doing that. And in terms of my own sexual expression, I would say all of those little whispers, those little moments where I thought, oh, I'd really like to try that. Try it. I love that. Try it. Because there are so many things I haven't tried that I want to try. Well, good thing you're about to enter a renaissance. I know. You can try everything. Exploration. And I do hope that when you try some stuff, maybe you'll come back and talk about it. Oh, I'd love that. I would love that. I'd love that. (laughs) So, and then now I'm asking you a question. Okay, but I have to think about it for a second. A sex question, right? Yeah, but like for context, the last one I got asked was, what do you think about fucking melons? So like, (laughs) so it could be anything. What do you think about fucking melons? Yeah. Okay, I have one. So describe a time when you were having some kind of sexual exchange with someone, doesn't have to be in in bed, doesn't have to be in private or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you're having some kind of sexual exchange with someone and you, and you held back something that you wanted to express, say, or do in that moment. What was it? And would you change it today? Oh, I would totally change it. When I got back to Los Angeles, January 2017, after a little more than five months of traveling around South America by myself, I was very excited to see a lover I had had quite a fling with right before I left. And we had just kind of hit it off and he'd been, he'd been in production on a couple projects while I'd been traveling, but he'd write these really romantic emails like mm. once every four to six weeks. And he even like, at one point he was even like, are we in love? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to you in six weeks, but like, I, I do like you a lot and I'd like to keep seeing you. And I had this idea when I got back that it might turn into a thing. And we had had really connected, like he's the first person that I like met at a party and brought home. Mm-hmm. I've never had a one night stand. I'm always like, okay, I'm going to have a one night stand, but then they come back, right. which is great. And I'm not, that's <laughs> fine. Like I'm not out to have a one night stand. I'm just open. And I saw him And it was the most disconnected sex I had to the point. And like during it, I was aware that I could feel myself shutting down Mm. or I was already shut down and I couldn't, I could see I was with this person that I liked, that I was physically attracted to and I couldn't enjoy my body. And Mm. I had this like clear awareness in the moment. And I wish, like, I wish I could go back and tell January 2017 Wyo, then called Karin, I wish I could say, hey, stop, bring him into that, and it's okay if it completely stops and you never see him again. Because mm-hmm. actually, I saw him, like, maybe two more times, and it was like, I don't think we ever slept together again. It was like mm-hmm. lunch and rant. Like, it fizzled out. It was mm-hmm. weird. But maybe if I had stopped and... Because I I was missing the connection. And that was the first time that I was like, something is missing. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what led me on this uh, journey to start exploring kink. And now I have this kinky lover that 
has opened up my world. So that's what I would, that's what I would do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> thank you for having I'm me. It's so my excited pleasure. to have you as one of our launch episodes. And I really want to continue this conversation with you. Me too. Me too. How can people find you in the world? Oh, they can find me on my website, which is dianavalentine.com. And my first name is spelled D-Y-A-N-A. My last name is spelled Valentine, just like Valentine's Day. And just so you know, you guys, you should go work with her. She's awesome. Go check out her website. If it calls to you, hit her up. She's great.